You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, the words of Jesus that the Holy Spirit puts before you this morning are full of teaching and full of comfort. In fact, in these words, Jesus takes two great mysteries of human life and he, and he unfolds them for us. It's, it's almost like he, he gives us a glimpse behind the curtain or behind the veil to see something that we could not see otherwise, to know the wisdom of God that we could not otherwise know. And, and these two great mysteries are this. First, what happens when we die? And second, how is it that we have faith? Now, these are great mysteries to us because, on the first hand, nobody can see beyond the grave. And on the second, no one can see into the heart. But, and this is perhaps important, we are curious about these things, and humanity is good at speculating about them. In fact, even... Even if we don't have the scriptures, uh, humankind has invented different myths and stories about what happens after death and how it is that we come to believe. And so, in fact, I think almost this, this approach this morning is kind of a myth-busters sort of thing. We consider, we consider myths about death, and we consider myths about dying, and we consider myths about faith, and Jesus will bust them. <laughs> so, first, death. The very first myth that needs busting, expunging from our own minds, is that death is natural. Or worse, that death is good. You hear this all the time. Death is part of life. It's all part of the great circle of life. This is not true. You were not meant to die. Adam and Eve were not created to die. Death is unnatural. It's the unnatural rending of body and soul and the temporary separation of these two things. And you see, the trouble with this death is natural myth is what comes next. You have to get used to it. You come to grips with death, with your own death and with the death of your loved ones. The world is constantly telling us that we have to come to grips with it, that time heals all wounds. But your Jesus does not take this approach. He considers, and this is plain in the Scriptures, He considers death the enemy. Whenever Jesus, whenever Jesus sees anybody dead, do you know what He does? He brings them back to life. And so little does Jesus come to grips with death that after three days, He says, that's about enough for me. <laughs> I mean, Jesus considers death the enemy, and so do we. And yet, we consider him our defeated enemy because of Jesus' resurrection. Because of his death on the cross. Because of his forgiving our sins. Because of his resurrection on Easter morning, death has lost all of its sting. Jesus has punched the teeth of death and knocked him out. And now, in this greatest of mysteries, death comes to us, Christians, as a gift. <laughs> now, I think this is confusing at first. In fact, it might be confusing at last, confusing all the way. But we Christians consider death our enemy and our friend. See? Our enemy, because death is the punishment for our sin. But our friend, 
Because Jesus uses death to bring us to himself. Now, we see this picture of death, this separation of body and of soul, this temporary uh, isolation of the two in the gospel reading with these words. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in hell, in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. Now, this is the second truth. Of, and In fact, you know, we know more about what happens at the moment of death from this text than from any other in the Scripture. After death, our soul is brought either to paradise or to hell, there to await the resurrection. And with this teaching, we can bust another, any number of other myths. And the first is this, the idea of ghosts. <laughs> I am, I'm sure this is true of you, hearing more and more about ghosts these days. And in fact, more and more people have ghost stories to tell, interactions with spirits, right? Now, the idea of, of a ghost is that when a person dies, their soul hangs around here and interacts with the living before moving on to the beyond. Now, this teaching clearly does not match the teaching of the Scriptures, that when we die, our soul goes, are taken from here by the angels, either to paradise or to suffering. So then, if, this, if the ghosts are teaching us something, we have to ask the question, what is it that, we're, that they're teaching? How is it that their teaching matches up with the Scriptures? Because there is a ghost theology or a ghost worldview, and it teaches us this, among other things. That when we die, we're not judged. Do you see that? The idea that your soul could linger here on earth is fighting against the idea, the biblical idea, that it is appointed for man once to die and then to be judged. Now, if this is true, that when we die, our souls go on from here, that they're carried by the angels to the Lord's face, then how do we account for the experiences that you've heard or even the experiences that, we, that you have had? And what do we think of seeing ghosts, the p- people that have seen them, or the times that we have seen them? I think sometimes our mind can play tricks on us and we see things. But there, it seems to be more than that. We do, after all, believe in spirits, But these are not the souls of our departed loved ones. They are the angels, and especially the demons. And if we ask the question, who is it that has a vested interest in us not worrying about being judged when we die, then it seems like the demons themselves are the ones behind these visions and these experiences of ghosts. All the way back in the Scripture, when the demon appeared as Samuel, to confuse the king Saul all the way up to the present. In fact, Martin Luther spoke this way about the ghosts, that it was the demons disguising themselves as souls to teach us that we didn't need to worry about dying. Now, this same thing is taught, by the way, in these near-death experiences, at walking towards the light and being in the tunnel and all this sort of thing. We ask of these experiences the same question. What does this teach us? Does it match the teaching of the Scripture? 
There is also, just like there is a ghost theology, there is a near-death theology, and it says this, no one is ever judged, there's nothing to worry about. The believer and the unbeliever, the Christian and the non-Christian, all seem to have the same near-death experience of being in a tunnel and walking towards the light and of being comforted before they're snapped back to this life. And you see what's being taught? No need to worry about dying. If you believe in Jesus or if you don't, it's all the same. But this also is not true. There is a reason that these are called near-death experiences and not death experiences, because death is this separation of body and soul, and these near-death experiences are the almost separation of body and soul. And I like to picture it like this. I'm not sure if this is helpful for you. But do you remember when uh, last summer when you were walking from the grocery store to your car and you stepped on a piece of gum and you didn't notice it until you were 50 feet away from the door and you looked back and you saw this long, thin piece of gum stretched all the way across the parking lot? you remember when that happened? That's, I think, how this is. That your body and soul are being torn apart from one another, but there is this long string connecting still body and soul, which means that you are not yet dead, and this string snaps you back. Now, what happens in those moments when your body and soul are so far apart from one another is a great mystery, and that is what those experiences are. But that is different then what happens when the string is broken and you die? We learn about this from the Scriptures. Hear it again. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell, being in torment, lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. Now, this also applies to even more full accounts of the things that happen after death. A couple of years, there was this very popular book about this, about the boy who spent some minutes in heaven. Remember, heaven is for real. Again, we ask the question, what does this teach us? And the thing that books like this teach us is to look for the truth of what happens after death in something other than the Scriptures. And that, dear friends, is dangerous. Because what happens when the next experience occurs? When a child dies and has 12 minutes visiting Mohammed or Baal and comes back. Do you see? And then we're in trouble. Look, when, when the rich man is there in, in hell and he looks across this great gulf and he sees Lazarus there sitting with Abraham, he, he prays to Abraham and says, Abraham, send Lazarus back to, to be a witness to my brothers because if someone is raised from the dead, then they will believe and not come here to me. Do you see that? But listen to what Abraham says. Here's the text. The rich man said, I beg you, Father, to send him, Lazarus, to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham says, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And the rich man says, No, Father Abraham, if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to them, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. 
this teaching from Abraham is for you. You have Moses and the prophets. Hear them. You have the scriptures. Believe them. And don't look for more. For experience, for vision, for people coming back from the dead to your own near-death experience because you have something much more trustworthy and sure than this. Something much more trustworthy than your own eyes. The Bible. And this teaching in the text gets to the second great mystery that Jesus is unfolding. Uh, From looking beyond the grave, now Jesus is going to look into the human heart. And He's going to consider the question, how is it that a person believes? And here the myth that we face is this, and this is a strong one. We think that seeing is believing. We always want a miracle with our own eyes. Then we will believe. This is all the great if prayers of the movies. You know this? If you're out there, if you're listening, and we're taught to start our prayers with an if, we're taught to trust in our eyes, but the Scripture teaches differently. You have Moses and the prophets. Listen to them. Paul says it like this. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. This is the great mystery of a heart that believes. The great mystery of faith. Faith is certainly not something that we do. It's not a decision that we make. It's not an act of our will. The the Holy Spirit gives us faith as a gift. But this is not created by our seeing or by our experiencing or by our feeling, but rather by our hearing. And our hearing of the Lord's Word. It is the Scriptures that the Lord uses to create and to sustain faith. And and not only is this teaching from God great wisdom, it is also great comfort because you have His Word. And you have His promises. You have Moses and the prophets. I mean, look at at Lazarus and the rich man. And I suppose this is where the sermon starts. (laughs) Look at Lazarus and the rich man. How could you imagine two more contrasting situations? Here the rich man has feasts every day. He has more than he could possibly need. He has rich, silky clothes. He has an abundance of friends. So abundant is his table that Lazarus, the poor man, could live and survive off of the crumbs that fall over the edge of the table. If we were to look at this rich man, we would say, look at how blessed he is. Look at all of these treasures and all of these things that he has. And then by his gate sits Lazarus in rags, in tatters, in sickness, covered in sores. With And this is disgusting. With the dogs coming and licking on him. I mean, that's gross. I imagine for Lazarus, that's his only comfort. That the dogs are his doctors and nurses. I mean, you could hardly imagine a more pitiable situation. In this life, the rich man had everything. And in this life, Lazarus had nothing except Moses and the prophets. 
In this life, everything was taken from Lazarus, except for the Scriptures and his faith in them. And they die. And now Lazarus, who had nothing, has everything. And the rich man, who had everything, has nothing. In death, Lazarus has life and joy and peace and the righteousness of God and the kingdom of heaven and the smile of his heavenly Father. Nothing was given to him in this life, but everything was given to him in the life to come. And this, dear saints, is the point. When you have Moses and the prophets, when you have the scriptures, when you have nothing in life except for the promise of God that your sins are forgiven and that God smiles upon you, then you have everything. This is why we're taught to sing and to pray. Take they our life, goods, fame, child, and wife. Let these all be gone. They yet have nothing won. The kingdom ours remaineth. So you are united to your brother Lazarus. In his poverty, in his sickness, in his wound-licking dogs, (laughs) and in his faith. And because of this, we will one day soon sit next to Lazarus in the heavenly banquet and be blessed by the Father. In life... And in death, we belong to Jesus. And this is our comfort. And this is our peace. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 915, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 1045 a.m. On Tuesday mornings there is a matin service at 830 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 930 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.